everybody. Welcome back to Mom of Three. I'm your host, Lisa, and for today, I'm continuing on from my last episode about my pregnancy journey. If you were following along, um, I got into how my first pregnancy after my loss started and how we found out about everything. Um, And just to comment on everything, it was just really strange to me because I was in the state of mind that this is it. It's not happening for us. We had our chance. We had conceived naturally once, but now it looks like we have to rely on technology and go for IVF. And even though it was great and we were fortunate enough to have these options, I couldn't help but think like we already had this at one point. Um, We conceived before naturally Once it was a chemical pregnancy and then the other, it was a second trimester loss. So how did we get here? Right? That's what I was thinking. And I couldn't help but think we were moving completely backwards, but I thought, well, if it's what we really want and this is where we have to go and this is what we have to do to get it, I guess we have to at least try. Right? So um, finding out I was pregnant during that whole planning for IVF process and my doctor's office was really bizarre for me. Like it was literally the exact opposite of what I was expecting. So go figure, right? But um, I'm not sure how we succeeded at that because even to this day, if I tell someone my story, I say, I don't know if it's because of the whole year before I found out of taking all those supplements, going through grueling fertility clinic appointments, and then naturopath appointments, doing acupuncture and following all these regimens and all that. Because I had stopped all of that, I would say, a good three to four months before we got pregnant. So maybe stopping all of it and giving up on everything just did it. I really don't know. I couldn't even tell you to this day. I don't have the answer. But um You know, when they say once you throw in the towel and stop trying and stop focusing on it so hard, that's when it happens. I really don't know if that was the key for all of that, but who knows if that's a myth or if it's actually true, because how many times for people who have been trying to conceive have been told by everyone around them, don't think about it, don't try so hard, don't stress over it, all those kinds of things. And it's like nearly impossible right? It's not helpful to even say those things to begin with. But in my case, it seems like that's the way it happened. But again, we don't know. We'll never know, right? Um, anyway, let's move on to the actual pregnancy, shall we? <laughs> so I left off last episode, I think, sharing that we had confirmed from my doctor's office that we were pregnant through blood work. And I remember vividly that exact moment I was sitting at work at a table on one of the floors that I was working, that I was working on that day. And I was just staring at my email in shock. And I just couldn't really believe what I was reading, but I was filled with so much joy. I'm pretty sure I welled up in tears, but I didn't go running around shouting I was pregnant because again, I was treading carefully with extreme caution because of everything that I went through and I had to endure to get here. And then remember like a lot of people at my work knew about the loss that I had um, because I was gone for like a month and I came back and I 
pretty much had to explain myself to a lot of people. So I just really didn't want to throw confetti in the air yet at the time because I was just like still very, very anxious about it. Um, so time went on. I followed up with my doctor and got ultrasounds done. And I remember my very first dating ultrasound when I saw that little tiny alien thing. That's what it looks like, to be honest, (laughs) the little tiny alien thing in my belly. And I was just so overjoyed and still in some disbelief that this is actually happening. So I think my doctor prescribed me some progesterone tablets at the beginning of the pregnancy since I had the loss previously to ensure that the pregnancy would continue and it would strengthen the cervix and all of that. Um, So that's what I had learned at the time that that's what it was for. Um, And that was the hormone responsible for that. So I took it temporarily for the first three months, I believe. But as soon as I was about six to seven weeks, the sickness began again, full force It was the worst, everything from extreme nausea to extreme vomiting to not even be able to function because of it. Lots of time off from work. I remember I had to take off. um, I had to go to the hospital, I think, once for dehydration and to get IV anti-nausea medication because it was that bad. I wasn't officially diagnosed with HG, which is hyperemesis gravidarum, if I'm even pronouncing it right, because it's such a long-term for, um, for something like this. That's so common. Um, I think it was because it was more controlled with medications. Um, I'm pretty sure I went on the prescribed anti-nausea vomiting medication called Diclectin because I had to do the same with the first pregnancy that we had lost. So I'm, it was pretty much a repeat, um, in terms of how dreadful it was with uh, the sickness. So, um, but I'm almost positive that I was borderline HG because it was pretty extreme and I was just constantly sick, couldn't keep anything down at one point, not even water. So it was definitely a really harsh beginning, but I also knew it came with the territory and I was just glad to be pregnant again. So I put up with it the best that I could. Um, I even remember rushing to the hospital one morning And um, I called in sick or late or something like that to work that day. And I woke up that morning not feeling anything, just normal, just the usual, like, or sorry, not the usual running to the bathroom, keeled over, vomiting my brains out. Like it was, it was just an abrupt stop, no nausea, no general feeling of being unwell, just not feeling pregnant. Because to me, that was you feeling pregnant. And it was just like nothing. And I just, all I felt was sheer panic. You see, like I was wishing for that sickness to end and it did for me when I woke up one day and I, all I felt was panic and I raced to the emergency room. I was in tears, um, in front of the nurses too, that I needed to make sure this baby was okay because I'm not nauseous anymore and I'm not vomiting. I'm just pretty sure I got really lucky that day because there were hardly any people in the emergency room and I don't even think they would have seen me for just fear of not being pregnant anymore because of lack of sickness. But um, um, there wasn't anybody there and I remember not waiting too long. So a nurse 
um, came to get me to give me an ultrasound. And honestly, thank God for Canadian healthcare where you can actually go to the emergency room when you fear something and they take care of you regardless, right? So <laughs> anyway, the nurse that did the ultrasound, those couple of minutes where he was just looking and I had to wait for him to tell me something on the screen, I was, it was like the longest few minutes of my life. I was so nervous. I was so, I was just dreading for him to tell me something bad, right? So again, past experiences, this is what gives me that feeling of fear and post-traumatic stress. It's, it's very real. And I was always expecting the worst, right? So it was really hard to fight it when you've been through that kind of trauma. And I'm sure some of you can relate and agree if you've ever experienced anything like this. But um, the nurse turned the screen to me and um, said, the baby is here. See? He or she, because we didn't know what the baby was at that point. It's fine and moving around. And all I felt was a rush of relief and happiness. And I was like in tears too at the same time. And this nurse is probably like, oh my gosh, this woman, like she definitely needs a break. You can see that. But um, yeah, but um, right at that moment, it was just nothing but a rush of relief. And I left the hospital thinking, well, maybe I was just being given a break by the universe. Who knows? Maybe I'm just getting a day off. And honestly, honestly, it was literally just a day off because I went right back to business the next day and it didn't stop after that. I was just unwell um, and sick right back to the very thing that I was complaining about. Talk about damned if you do or damned if you don't, right? So <laughs> I can say I was sick pretty much the entire time, um, but it did calm down. Um, the only thing I was dealing with a lot throughout, I guess, up until the very end was acid, really bad acid reflux that also still made me vomit every morning. So yeah, um, I had that for every other pregnancy thereafter too, to be honest. So I didn't really, it was pretty much the same. So <laughs> right around 14 weeks was the time that my doctor recommended to um, have my cervical cerclage done to prevent the same episode that I had experienced um, since they suspected that I had an incompetent cervix. So um, the preparation for that was pretty nerve wracking, like was not easy at all. Um, it was a minor procedure and I had to wait for a call basically to tell me if there was time and space for me to come in in between other major surgeries they were doing. Um, that day I couldn't eat or drink anything. And for me, not eating an entire morning made my nausea even worse. Um, so I was just feeling horrible. It was basically torture to be honest, but, um, cause I, I already had it so bad. Right. So I think the first day I had to wait for a call, they didn't have time for me. So <clears throat> the second day was when I actually went in with my husband so the preparation for a cervical cerclage is almost very much like getting an epidural. Um, I walked into the surgery room, which was already super intimidating for me um, to begin with. I was wearing a whole surgery operating room attire, and it was just scary, very scary. And uh, I remember the nurses being so comforting and helpful and just really trying to keep me calm, trying to make me laugh, you know, things like that. 
Um, but the anxiety, hmm, it was relentless to say the least. It was my first time ever getting any type of procedure, or ever go- walking into a surgery unit for that matter. Um, because for a surclodge, you have to get a spinal, pretty much like an epidural, where you have to be numb from the waist down to get the stitch placed in your cervix. So I had to sit at the edge of the bed with my legs dangling down, holding a pillow, much like when you're getting an epidural before you give birth, if any of you have had one before. Um, it was fair. It was my first time ever getting any, any, anything, let alone a a needle injected into my back. (laughs) And it was so abruptly strange and uncomfortable. And it was just a really bad feeling. And it was, it was for a really short time, but it was not a good feeling. And the next thing I knew I was being laid down and my legs were numb and heavy and I was just laying there feeling all this pressure so they could get the surclage in. But I laid there for about 15 minutes. There was a sheet between me and the doctors so they could do what they needed to do, much like a C-section, if any of you have had one before. So that's what it's like. But um, they got it done. It's very short, thankfully. And they wheeled me out to where my husband was. Um, And then they let me sit next to him in recovery. And, um, he was pretty relieved to see me and I was just happy to just get it over with. So I was, you know, I was kind of like exhausted because, you know, they, they gave me, they gave me medication, they gave me drugs. So I was, I was pretty not out of it, but I was just kind of lying there wanting to sleep. That's, that's what it felt like. But I had to wait for the medication to wear off because I was generally, you know, other than that, just feeling okay, um, with the exception that I had some pressure in my abdomen, which was said to be normal. Um, I remember feeling very cold and shaky, which was part of the reaction of the medication wearing off, which is what they told me. And then after about an hour and a half, almost two hours, they tested me to see if I was able to move and if I had feeling in my legs again. So, I was discharged after that, was in the clear, and then they wheeled me to the car after my husband brought it around. And it was a pretty easy procedure without any complications besides the expected bit of bleeding afterwards is what they what they had explained to me. But definitely something I think is necessary if you had something similar to my situation involving an incompetent cervix. It just gives you that extra security and some don't go ahead with that and either remain on bed rest or just even do the procedure with bed rest or some even end up getting an emergency surclodge. Um, But the thing is, an emergency surclodge is about 50% effective where a preventative one is about 80 to 90, I think around around that. Um, But the chances of bed rest with that type with an emergency surclage are higher than a preventative one. So definitely has more benefits than risks. Um, I'm just glad I had that opportunity to take advantage of this technique, which is essentially a solution for things like an incompetent cervix, which they had suspected I had. So time went on and the surclage was in place and I passed the 17 week point where I had lost our first baby. 
and I was starting to feel a little bit more confident. Um, I was still sick and nauseous and vomiting, but it was controlled and I was able to still function and go to work and things like that. Um, sometimes for people with my case, they may need bed rest, but luckily I was doing okay and the surclage was doing its thing and the cervix wasn't getting shorter or anything like that. So they were checking for things like that, like during ultrasounds to see if everything was in the proper place and order. Um, so, you know, for the most part, it was good. And, you know, if things are in the clear, then you can continue doing what you're doing. Um, and then at that point, I was able to start feeling more excited, looking more forward to things, um, rather than just being incredibly nervous during my first three months. Um, just worrying about like something happening like before, right? Um, so then I started taking pictures, started taking pictures of each pregnancy milestone. And we even did a really fun gender reveal with my family and friends and found out that it was a boy again, which made me cry right on the spot because, um, we had lost our first boy and a part of me felt like we were kind of like getting him back in a way. And it was just a really emotional, intense moment where I like just like fell into my husband's arms, like around everybody. Like we have a video of it too, which is really funny. Like after we cut the cake and we saw the blue, um, the, the blue inside the cake, um, I just like ran into his arms and started crying. Um, but I was just super like, I was just very ecstatic and just everything just started to sink in and feel more and more real. Right. So, you know, it was just, I'll never forget that moment. It was, um, it was just, I just couldn't believe that I finally got there. Like, even though I didn't have the baby yet, I just didn't think I would get to that point where I would be celebrating, you know, I'd be celebrating these kinds of things. So I'm sure like people who have had losses, um, or if they were trying so hard to get pregnant and they finally did and they see themselves in these kind of events surrounded by like, you know, family and friends and celebrating them and their baby. Like you just wouldn't think you would be in that position ever because of all the hardship that we went through just to get there. And it's just, it, it just makes that moment so incredibly special and more surreal and just um it's just a very proud moment like you know because you feel like you really really accomplished like you overcame so many obstacles so it was just um yeah it was it was it was something um so after a few more weeks I had to do my glucose test I ended up failing both of them. <laughs> so um, I got diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Um, I was again back in fear mode. So I was pretty, you know, smooth sailing after we did our gender reveal. I was feeling like just excitement and happiness. And then we went back into like, okay, here's another roadblock, gestational diabetes. And I went back into discouragement mode. <laughs> but, um, you know, I... I was just sort of like sitting down with it again. I'm like, what does this mean now? What do I have to do? What are the risks for my, for me and the baby now? Like, you know, and it can be kind of dangerous um, after looking into it and your doctor talking to you about it, you know, it can, it can be risky. So now I have more things to worry about, right? 
that's the number one thing that kept kept coming into me um, after after I uh, found out about it. So I'm like, well, I guess I have to hop off cloud nine now and deal with this, right? Um, so I had to get all these tools to test my blood at home, um, record my blood sugar, control everything by diet. Luckily, it was diet controlled. Um, so that was an advantage at least. And I didn't need to go on insulin or anything like that. But it was definitely another grueling process because besides regular ultrasound and doctor checkups, I had to go to a specialist to check my blood sugar levels, look at my recordings, check my weight, all those kinds of things. Um, there were some moments where I had high sugars, but I was doing relatively well, I think. Um, it was just a lot of work. Um, it was very tedious. I had to constantly measure and watch what I ate and made sure my carbs were low and all of that. Like, you know, it wasn't like I could be like every other pregnant woman, just eat whatever I want. No, it wasn't that, (laughs) it wasn't that case. Um, so I had to sit out for that kind of, um, you know, uh, experience with pregnancy. Um, it was a big pain in the butt. That's for sure. But it had to be done, especially when they say it's for your safety and the baby's safety. Um, it wasn't fun. And I remember any time I may have gone over the recommended glucose level, I would obviously become anxious. And I remember making myself walk at nights around the neighborhood just to burn off the sugars because I was determined to make sure they would be coming down because I didn't want to go and show my recordings and then be told, oh, you know, we got to do this now. We got to do that now. We, you know, we, I don't want the headlights to go off. So, um, yeah, um, I think I did relatively well. I had no idea or any experience about diabetes and I didn't expect it. My sugar levels were generally stable and there was a point that I was actually losing weight because of the diet that I was on. Um, but I did the best I could and I, you know, it kept me and the baby at the right pace most of the time. Um, But when gestational diabetes is part of the picture, um, that's when they want to induce labor early. So if you haven't already gone into labor by 39 weeks, the protocol is for the purpose that the baby doesn't grow too big or become exposed to high sugars in your system. So my doctor told me that the plan about induction was going to happen around 39 weeks. But I will end it off here. Because I'm going to get into my birth story of my now five-year-old son um, onto my next episode. It definitely was not an easy birth because, of course, why would it be, right? <laughs> um, things could be smooth sailing and then bam. So that's usually, that, that, that's kind of the pattern that I was starting to see, right? Um, so tune in next time and please, please, please follow me on mom of three podcast on Instagram. Please comment and review here on Apple podcasts as well. If, um, if you'd like to, it would be greatly appreciated, but, um, for now, thanks for listening and, uh, I'll see you next time. Bye.